0: My stomach's churning and uh, this guy's a lot braver than me. We are taking a break from the Costly Grace series, but as you can see, we're gonna get back to it next week. But today we are talking a Mother's Day message. And I wanted to stop to honor mothers and take a look and see what God's word could say to us on Mother's Day. And uh, as we get started with this, I gotta tell you, I can't believe the life that I get to live. Um, Pastoring this church, it's an amazing church. Being raised in such an amazing family. Um, Having a mom and dad that love me so much. Having my own family now. Um, with my wife and with our children. Um, Many times we'll go out to eat and we'll say, I can't believe it. It feels like we're living the dream more than we could have ever, ever, ever imagined. Um, Get to, uh, I've actually fulfilled a life goal of preaching on every continent that is inhabited by people. Uh, Haven't done Antarctica yet, but I did decide that I'm going to go there and uh, preach at Antarctica, so I'm gonna bring some people with me. And uh, (laughs) penguins can't get saved, you know what I'm saying? But... um, It's amazing. I get to be on the board of directors for ministries and schools, and I'm raising my kids in the ways of the Lord. I just can't believe all that's going on and all the blessings. And I think that sometimes some of you think of all the ways that we're living and the blessing and the dream that I get to live. You think, well, he must be the son of a preacher who was the son of a preacher who probably traces back to Billy Graham or D.L. Moody or somebody famous or something like that. No, that's not the case. Um, Matter of fact, I told you all the things that are going good in my life just to show you how far we've come as I go backwards. And today I wanna go backwards. And some of you are familiar with bits and pieces of the story, but I'm gonna fill in the blanks for you. It's Mother's Day, so I wanna talk about my mom's family. And um, I'm sure some of you are aware, but not all of you. Um, My mom had two brothers um, and was raised in a very abusive home. Um, My grandfather had you know ethics where he didn't actually hit my mom or sexually abuse my mom, but he hit my uncles. Matter of fact, he abused them. She has memories of him taking a chair and smashing it over them. And uh, there was abuse in the home. He was very anger-filled man. Through that, my mom and my uncles wanted to get out of the house as quick as possible. My one uncle went and lived a very immoral life, in and out of marriages, in and out of relationships. Uh, not being committed, just living a life of just recklessness. And they found him on a deserted island in Hawaii, and he had killed himself. And that's in our family. That was my one uncle. My other uncle was in and out of the state penitentiary, Um, ultimately turned his life around, which we're so thankful for. But year after year of, of broken marriage and in and out of the state penitentiary and you know, this is the kind of family that she grew up in. And for her, uh, her dad was incredibly mean to her, incredibly mean. He was the type of person that if you weren't perfect, you were nothing to him. You were nothing. And, and he used to just push perfection and push just these mental games on my mom. And although he didn't hit her... Um, He'd say, clean your room, and she'd clean the room knowing that he would come in because he was military, and she knew that he'd come in with a white glove and inspect everything, and so he's expecting, you know, and looking and running the white glove over the door frame and looking for any dust, and when he found no dust in her room, just to prove that she wasn't perfect, he took the back of her radio off and then ran it on the tube of the radio and said, I found dust, it's not perfect, and then threw all of her stuff away. That's the type of home that she grew up in. Anger was in our family. Um, His father was angry, too. And sailing was in our family. I didn't realize, you know, he was a lieutenant commander in the Navy, and his, his father was a sailor, and the one before him was a captain of a whaling ship. And So anger was there, and he was raised in a home where when his cat had kittens, his dad said to him, hey, I told that cat not to have kittens Your stupid cat had kittens, and he picked up all the kittens, and in front of his child, he threw them into the fireplace and said, don't let your cat have kittens. That's dysfunctional. That's our family. His father, again, captain of a whaling ship, so we're going back to great-grandfather here, was uh, out of New Bedford, Massachusetts, captain of a whaling ship, and I thought it'd be a neat thing to take our family to the whaling museum, you know, in Massachusetts and we're there on the tour and at the opportune time, I just kind of threw it into the tour guide that my great grandfather uh, was a captain of a whaling ship and the leader of the tour looks at me and goes, then he was a mean person and probably killed people. Right? Everybody on the tour is like walking away from us. Like, Like, we don't do it, he did it, you know. That's a type of home. Anger, that's a type of dysfunction. I didn't know how bad the dysfunction was. I didn't know how bad the abuse was because, but I had got a glimpse into it. When I was a little kid, my mom used to say to all of us, when grandpa would come to visit, she'd say, "Um, don't ever leave mom alone with grandpa. Never, ever, ever. If you ever see Grandpa and mom in a room alone, come and sit on mom's lap. Do not let grandpa and mom ever be alone, ever, ever. And we're like, why? Just never, ever, ever." you know, just very clear. And so we'd be like holding on to mom's hand everywhere she went, you know. It was just the weirdest thing. And he was a hero to us. I mean, he was a hero to the community. He was the kind of guy that would win the awards and be honored in the community. And they'd say, he's the greatest man. And out in public, he was amazing. And at home, It was hell. I didn't know the depth of the dysfunction until um, I preached at his funeral. Now, here's the amazing thing. He lives this life in anger and abuse and torment, and there was suicide in our family, and my cousin killed him. I mean, it's just terrible, all these things that were going on. And yet, four months before he died, he gave his life to the Lord. That's the amazing thing about grace that's available to everyone. And I was up there preaching his funeral, and Saying, hey, four months before he died, this hard-hearted man finally gave his life to Jesus Christ. And I was talking to him uh, about him as my hero, you know, because grandpa was amazing to me. And I didn't know the dysfunction in the family until my mom later confessed that the whole funeral, I'm up there saying all these nice things. And you know what she's doing? In her mind, she's singing, ding dong, the witch is dead, the witch is dead, the witch is dead. Ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. The whole funeral. He's saying, you can't hurt me anymore. You can't hurt my one remaining brother. You're gone. And yeah, you're in heaven, but you can't hurt us anymore. And I share that with you because this was the pain. This was the dysfunction that's in our family. And I want you to understand that you see certain things now and you don't know the whole story. The pain was so bad in her family that she jumped at the opportunity to move to Minnesota to be part of a new airlines, Northwest Airlines. She was a flight attendant back in the day and got pregnant from a guy that she didn't love and it was just a quick relationship. And in that pregnancy, she realized, I don't love this guy. I'm not going to get married, but I value life and I want to have this baby. What am I going to do? She knew that if she told her mom and dad, perfection would be blown up and she'd be disowned. And so she went and saw them while she was just a few months pregnant so she could see them, then not see them for several months, have the baby, and then go back and see them. And she had a little baby girl and gave that daughter up for adoption. A little bit after that, she met my dad, got married, they had me. Then a few years later, they came to faith in Jesus Christ, Here's what happened. My mom had heard a message about grace. She heard a message that God didn't want perfect people, that God realized we weren't perfect, and that he gave us a thing called grace, and that he would forgive people of everything they've done wrong and welcome them in with all their imperfections. And in that moment, she's like, if this is God, if this is relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm in, and she grabbed a hold of grace. Grace. And the amazing thing is, she said, for me and my family, it's going to be different. I'm going to change the trajectory of what's gone on. There will no longer be dysfunction. There will no longer be hate. There will no longer be abuse. There will no longer be this ideal of living up to perfection that no one can live up to. And she embraced the message of Jesus Christ and said, for me and my family, it changes today. One woman grabbed hold of it. My dad grabbed hold of it, too. And all of a sudden, everything changed. I remember there used to be TV commercials on, have you hugged your kid today? And that would come on TV, and they're trying to encourage parents to hug their kids, and we'd all look at mom and dad and go, yes, you have. <laughs> yeah. And our, our home was full of love and full of hugs and full of that, just great healthiness. It was amazing. One day was when I was in high school, I can remember my mom came to me, and she said, get all your brothers. So I got my three younger brothers and I gathered them together in the room. And she said, mom needs to tell you something. She said, before I was married to your dad, I was pregnant. I was a single mom. And I gave this baby girl up for adoption and you have a sister. You can imagine the shock. I mean, we're getting ready for school. And all of a sudden my mind went to remembering my birth certificate. And I said, that's a lie. I said, on my birth certificate, it says number of previous births, zero. And she said honey this was the 60s it wasn't okay to be a single mom and she said you know what it was the 60s and the doctors would lie for you and so they lied for me and i gave a baby girl up for adoption and she wants to come and meet our family and i want to meet her so my sister that i didn't even know existed came and found our family and it was so weird for her to say what is mom like and be able to tell her what mom was like and to look at her and think she looks like us and It was an amazing thing. And then a couple months after she found our family, not only did she find our family, she found a personal faith in Jesus Christ and she got in on grace and we were able to lead her to faith. And then all of a sudden, um, a couple months after that, she saw a guy in our church that she liked and she married a guy in our church. I'm thinking, how crazy and amazing is this? And now she's living for God and raising her family at James River Assembly of God in Missouri and it's just amazing to see what's happened. My sister never got to meet her grandparents at all. She never got to meet our grandparents. Um, It was just one of those things. My mom said, I don't know how they'll react to this. I don't know how they'll react to you. I don't want you to face the abuse of what he could pour out on you. And she was never able to meet them, but she was able to meet our family. And um, I just wanted to take a moment here and introduce you, because I'm not sure that all of you know who my mom, Isabel, is. She's the one woman that changed the trajectory of our family. And I'm not sure that many of you at all have ever met my sister, Janine, and so I want you to welcome with me as they come to the platform, my mom, Isabella, and my sister, Janine. It's so good. It's so good. God bless you. You can be seated.
1: Oh, it is so good. You know, what I want to tell you is when I was 31 years old, it only took 30 seconds to change my life. 30 seconds. That's it. Last night I said it took a minute, and we timed it, and it was probably less than 30 seconds. <laughs> And I'm telling you, you can have that same exact same thing tonight. In 30 seconds, your life can change. You don't have to write out a $10,000 check. I couldn't have done that. And if God had asked me to sign a contract saying that I would be perfect, I couldn't have done that either. I couldn't have even done it if he had said, you just have to be perfect for 45 minutes. (laughs) I couldn't have signed it because I would have been lying. But he didn't. All he said was, you have to admit that you were a sinner. You have to just know that you were a sinner, that you sinned against me. And then you have to ask for forgiveness. And then you have to just ask me to come into your life and live your life for me. 30 seconds. I don't even think that took 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Every single solitary one of you can do that and have your family tree change. It doesn't have to stay the way that the devil had it planned. You can change it today and have it go the way that God wants it planned.
0: So good. So strong. Amen. It's good stuff. Janine, do you want to say anything? I just asked my sister Janine if she wanted to talk, and she said, I'm not sure I can. That's a rare thing, let me just say. She's... She's, she's related, you know. Um, I want to point this out. It's an interesting thing, small to us, but I, I have a dimple. My mom has the dimple. My sister has the dimple. it's kind of just, it's one of those little small things that you're kind of like, that's so cool, God, you know.
1: And both his brothers have dimples, too. It's yeah. kind of our mark.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's so good. And I just thank God for grace. And I thank God that uh, someone has to stand up and change the trajectory And one other thing, you may not realize this, but my mom devoted her life to raising foster girls. And uh, out of her biggest hurt and pain in her life became her ministry. Don't miss that. She gives her daughter up for adoption and says goodbye to her daughter, never knowing what God will do, never knowing if she'll ever see her again And then she said, God, I want to take care of someone else's daughter. And over the years, we had almost 100 girls that came to live in our home. And out of her pain became her ministry, all because of grace and her whole trajectory has changed. I think that's absolutely amazing. One more time. Let's thank God for that. So good. One woman changed everything, and that's where Proverbs 31, 28 says, her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband says the same thing about her. That's what Proverbs 31 says, and you can rise up and say you're blessed because somebody, somebody stood up. Maybe you're the first generation person right here, and your family is going to rise up and call you blessed someday. I don't know. Maybe you're here and you've never changed the trajectory and you're wondering if it's possible, it is. And it's not only that story of my mom, but really quick. There's a story in Joshua chapter two of a woman that changed her trajectory, just like my mom. It's interesting and and I know it's in context and I know my mom can handle it, but it's so funny that I'm actually reading a story about a woman named Rahab the prostitute on Mother's Day. But that's the way God works. <laughs> now don't get the, don't, don't sanitize the story either. She was a prostitute, the Bible says. She wasn't an innkeeper. The Bible tells us in Joshua chapter two, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies, go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. It's interesting. Rahab, the prostitute, not an Israelite, not chosen, not somebody that was in the in group. She was in the out group. She'd be an enemy combatant. She was part of Jericho, the place that they were going to conquer. And yet she takes these spies in. Now you say, well, of course she was a prostitute, but there is a bigger picture here. Don't miss it. The big picture here is she took them in. I think she went looking for them, not for a trick. I think she went looking for them for an escape out of what she was in because if you look at Joshua chapter two, she goes and talks to them and says, you're Israelites. You serve the powerful God. You serve the one that is gonna defeat us. And she's like, I want out of this and I want into that. And if there's an opportunity to get in on what God has, I'm taking it. It's an amazing thing. It's an absolutely amazing thing. She's like, I want out. Now you gotta understand, most prostitutes, think about this, most prostitutes in the Bible days and even today, don't choose that. They don't grow up saying, you know, my life goal be a prostitute, that's really my goal and aspirations in life. Rahab most likely was a widow and most likely couldn't make ends meet. Even though we know her extended family was in Jericho, she couldn't make ends meet and it says nothing about her husband. Most prostitutes in those days were victims of something they didn't even choose, Their husband tragically died. And because there was no way to take care of themselves, they turned to that. And some of you today might be saying, I didn't choose to be abused. I didn't choose to be molested. I didn't choose to have this tragedy in my life. But you find yourself in this spot saying, I'm an outsider looking in. And God says, I welcome you as an outsider. Come on in. And if you can grab hold of it like my mom did, like Rahab did, she's like, I want in. If there's any way in, I want in because I didn't choose this. Matter of fact, um, one judge recently did a survey and and, and investigated this. And he found 87% of prostitutes in America were sexually abused before the age of eight and turned to drugs by the age of 12 to medicate the pain, then ran away and were taken advantage of by a predatory pimp that put him into that life. They didn't do it because they thought it was a great way to make money. They did it to run away and they're being taken advantage of. And maybe you're in something that you didn't choose. I'm telling you what, God can change your trajectory if you'll grab hold of grace. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Hebrews 11 is the hall of fame for people that believed in faith. And she is put there because she had faith to believe that grace could be given to her. She didn't deserve it, but she's like, if you're given, I'm taken. I'm in. I want out of this and into good. I am changing my family's trajectory. James chapter two says it as well. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. She was given grace. She was shown to be obedient because she said, I want out of this and into this. It was an amazing, absolutely amazing thing. And here's the thing. She was at rock bottom and she was saying, I'm taking a risk on God. And if you're at rock bottom, can I tell you this? Take a risk on God. It's worth it. And if I could say this to our church, grab this, grab this. When you think about people to invite to church, many of us say, oh, they look like they would like our church. They've got it all together and they look like good neighbors. Why don't I invite them to church? Many of those people will never come because they think I have no room in my life for God, things are going well. And many of us walk by the people at rock bottom and go, oh yeah, I don't know if they would come. I don't know if they'd fit in, I don't know. Wrong answer, wrong thinking. You go to the people that are rock bottom. They're looking for hope. They're looking for grace. This is a place that welcomes people at rock bottom. And I commission you as a church to go out and bring in people at rock bottom because that's where our family was. That's where maybe your family was. And that's the type of people that God welcomes here. He welcomes everyone, but we write those people off. Let's not do that. She heard the truth and she made a tough decision. The walls of Jericho looked like they were just not able to be torn out. And so the walls that were around Rahab looked like they were strong enough to keep her in. And if you could grab this, the wall of your fear looks strong. The wall of your addiction looks strong. The wall of your pain looks strong, but it's not too strong for God. God does a miracle. And I love the fact that they marched around Jericho and didn't even do anything. They just shout and the walls fall down. It's just showing that God's gonna break down your walls, not you anyways, all right? And she took a risk and she fully integrates in. She grabs hold of grace and she fully integrates in. And if you know your Bible, in Matthew chapter one, it says Rahab leaves Jericho, gets saved by the Israelites. And then the Bible says that Rahab marries a man by the name of Salmon. Now, track with me for just a second. The Bible tells us that Salmon was the dad of Boaz. And if you know the story of Ruth, Ruth and Boaz. Boaz was the dad of Jesse. It's about to get really interesting here. Jesse was the dad of David, as in David and Goliath, King David. You track back, that means Rahab is is great-great-grandmother of King David. Okay, now, if you know your Bible really well, this is going to go really good follow the line of David down, and Rahab is in the line of Jesus. That's amazing that God takes somebody that's a prostitute outside, Jericho, enemy combatant, gives them grace, brings them in, puts them in the story, and says, guess what? You're gonna be related to King David. You're gonna be related to Jesus. And I guarantee you, her whole family changed, her whole trajectory changed. And when you meet her in heaven... Rahab is going to introduce herself not as, Hi, I'm Rahab the prostitute. She's going to say, Hi, I'm Rahab. By the way, I'm the great grandmother of David. And by the way, I'm related to Jesus. <laughs> how do I know she's going to do that? How do I know? Here's how I know that. Here's how I know. Because when people come up to my mom and they don't know my mom, they say, How long have you been coming to the church? She goes, Honey, I gave birth to the church. I love it. I love it. Your trajectory can be changed if you'll grab hold of grace. All it takes is a moment, 30 seconds. All it takes is a hand raise saying, I'm in, I grab hold of grace. And that's the most amazing message today. Moms, you could change the trajectory of your family forever. Maybe you already have done that. Praise God for that. Maybe you're here and you're in that moment and you're trying to decide you could change the trajectory. And if I could talk to moms and dads, men and women, young boys, young girls, change the trajectory forever. I had a little boy in an earlier service. He was nine years old. He raised his hand, and in just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand and I'll close a prayer. This little nine year old boy, sitting in the back, first time ever at River Valley Church. He was here with his mom and his sister. And he came up after service and he said, Pastor, did you see me raise my hand? And I said, I did. And he goes, I'm so glad you said that. He goes, I want to change my family. And I said, What do you mean? And he said, My dad is an alcoholic. And he's not with us today. He's moved out of the home. I have a bad family. And he started to cry. And he says, but I'm changing my trajectory. That could be your story too. It could be your story. That happened last night at our service. That could be your story, that your whole trajectory could be changed. And this is the moment. I won't embarrass you, but I will ask in just a moment, if you want in on a 30-second prayer, for you to raise your hand and acknowledge that. So if you could bow your heads and close your eyes and give me just one more minute This is the moment we've all been praying for. Your trajectory could be changed forever and ever and ever. And if that's you and you're saying, Pastor Rob, I want to be included in this closing prayer. I desire for Jesus Christ to change my life. My future will be different than my past. I can't change my past, but I can be forgiven for it and I can change my future. My trajectory will be different. If you want to be included in that prayer, and it'll take about 30 seconds, I'm going to ask you just a moment That you'd raise your hand and look up at me I'll acknowledge your hand and you can put it down And I'll include you in this closing prayer So if that's you Would you raise your hand all across this place Yes, I come into agreement Hands going up all over the place Yes, yes, I come into agreement Yes, I come into agreement Yes, 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 yes Yes, yes, I come into agreement Yes, I come into agreement Others, yes, way over there Young man, I see you Raised your hand. Are there others that say, I'm in, I'm in. This is my moment. My trajectory changes. It all changes. I can be forgiven. No matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. Yes, I see your hand. Yes. It doesn't matter. Some of you say, My my sin was so big. Seriously. God has forgiven murderers. God has forgiven angry, abusive people, God has forgiven prostitutes. God is in the grace business. He says, No perfect people allowed, and I give grace to you. One last moment. I'm going to look across this place one more time. Is there anyone else that's just struggling and you know you need to raise your hand? This is your moment. Would you just do that? Yes, I see your hand. Yes, way back in the corner. There's two already. Is there anyone else? As I scan across the place, anyone else that says, yes, I want it? Yes, I see your hand. Yes and yes. Thank God your hand went up. Yes. You can all put your hands down. This is the moment we've been praying for, and I want to lead you in about a 30-second prayer, and God says he will forgive you and change your trajectory forever. I'm going to ask that you pray this prayer with me and pray it out loud and just repeat it after me, and I'm going to ask that the people next to you would just pray it out loud with you as a form of encouragement, all right? Let's pray this. Dear Lord Jesus, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong, and I grab a hold of grace. Give me that grace. I know you died on the cross and rose from the dead to pay the price for my sins, and I receive that. I pledge to live every day of my life for your name and your glory, and give me the strength to do that. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Their life has been changed forever. Grace has come in. The trajectory has changed. I just see in my mind families that are different, men and women that are different, young children that will raise their families someday in the ways of the Lord. They'll have a a testimony that grace came in at an early age. I didn't have to go through the, the pain of life, but I could understand grace at an early age. And I thank God that people change the trajectory. And I thank you that grace is still given even to this day. Help us to understand how amazing that is. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.